0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Michael Russin. Uh, happy Tuesday. Thank you for joining me this morning. It is great to speak to you guys. I was thinking today, this morning when I woke up, I was practicing gratitude, and it put me in such a good mood. I know that sounds so corny. It's like all these influences hey, practice gratitude, but it's like, seriously, if you want to change the course of your day... I have to figure out, if anybody's dealt with this or has any tips, my, I wake up, I don't know if it's just because I get a big cortisol dump in the morning with the rest of my hormones, I'm very, my hormones are through the roof in the morning, and there's plenty of indicators, but uh, I, uh, I wake up very anxious most mornings, for no reason, like I wake up and my chest is tight. And um, it usually takes the ice bath. Has been great uh, thera- from a therapeutic standpoint. The ice bath um, eliminates the anxiety entirely. Entirely. In fact, the anxiety is what motivates me to get into the hot tub. So, as I'm cleaning up, perfecting every area of my life, you know, I'm deeply introspective, and, and I'm thinking about why am I waking up? with this anxiety, and I know it's from years and years and years of, uh, it, you know, when you're, when you're, when you don't know what your paycheck's going to look like that week, or you're in a commission position, or something, which is all I've been in, or you own your own company, you know, like, which is all I've been in the past 12 years, every day, <laughs> when you wake up, you're just hoping everything's all right. Like nothing catastrophic happened overnight. (laughs) You know, which is so funny because I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't have anything really outside of a major cataclysmic event. I don't have much to worry about anymore um, when it comes to finances and stuff like that. And even with a major event like happened last week, where we're still missing two weeks ago, $30,000 of invoices, we're still good. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is. I I just have to imagine it's a pattern of behavior that needs broken. So I have to find. So one of my goals this year coming up for 20, you know, I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy at all. um, But I am using the end of 2024 as a benchmark. By the end of 2024, I want to wake up. I want to A, sleep peacefully and B, wake up feeling good. And happy and excited. That's my goal. That's my goal. By the end of 2024. And I have to... What I've... This is the... I'm going to give you guys such a key lesson right now. I've been trying to force this through the manipulation of external circumstances. So in other words, I have in my mind... Well, when I have X amount of dollars, I won't worry about anything. When when I have... When I have several hundred millions of dollars, I won't wake up nervous anymore. When I XYZ, I won't wake up nervous anymore. That's when I'll finally not have you know wake up and, and roiling with anxiety. But it's not external circumstances that need to be changed, it's internal. Because someday when I have multiple hundreds of millions of dollars, I know it's probably going to be worse because I'm going to have multiple hundreds of millions of dollars of problems (laughs) you know what I mean and uh, I'm going to run inside and grab a banana here we're out of bananas at the house this morning right, we're back in business it's not the external that needs to change it's the internal it's the internal so I've for so long have been focused on, well, when I'm in this situation, you know, I won't wake up feeling like there's a saber-toothed tiger in my bathroom, so that's what it feels like, that's what it feels like, and I, I wake up a lot of times between 1 and 3 a.m. Uh, with major spikes in anxiety, and it's, you know, there's so many different things to worry about, and it's like my mind races to find it's like my mind just always, I'm, I'm a big problem solver. I'm a big nip it in the bud. So my mind is constantly searching for problems to solve, and even when I'm sleeping. So I've realized that, you know, my wife hates it when I eat on the podcast, but I don't have time. So, all right, well, I'll pause. So, I've, anyways, back to what I was saying, now that my banana's been polished, I'm not going to say that, my banana's been polished all now that I've consumed my banana, I, uh, I uh, honestly, it's an internal thing, it can't be circumstantial, we focus too much on, well, when X, Y, Z happens, that's when I'll blah, blah, blah. And um, I realized in my head, I sounded like a New Year's rep. Well, not, no, because I'm still taking action. It's like I'm still, I'm creating the life that I want, but it's hard to describe. But the, the point is this, is that you can't, you can't expect external circumstances to fix your internal problems. If anything, External circumstances, good or bad, will likely exacerbate or expose your inward condition. For example, I've said this many times, money is neither good nor evil. Money just is. Money is the root of all evil. Now, people are the root of all evil. Humans, fallen creatures we are, separated from God. There's, money just is, it's an inanimate object. But it magnifies the characteristics of those that possess it. You give a greedy, selfish person money, they will become more greedy and selfish. You give a drug addict money, they're gonna become a worse drug addict. You give an alcoholic money, they're gonna become even more of an alcoholic. You give a sadistic, manipulative person money, they will become far more sadistic and manipulative. It is a magnifier. You ever look at like ants under a magnifying glass? That's what money does, it. it brings up, takes all those characteristics and magnifies them. Increases their size. But if you're altruistic and generous, it'll make you even more altruistic and generous. If you're selfless and giving, it'll make you even more selfless and giving. Money magnifies, it doesn't change you. Now, money can change people in the sense that you get locked into patterns of behavior, bad ones, that change you over time. But that's not the money, that's just the magnification of your negative personality traits and characteristics, right? It's not the money's fault. People stay here blame money all day long. It's not the, it's like, well, I'm gonna tape a $100 bill to my chair and scream at it till it repents, you know what I mean? It's retarded, it's not, money's not, it just is. It's you, money magnifies you. I play an exercise with people a lot that I coach and mentor mentor, uh, where I ask them, what would you do if I gave you a million dollars? And it's interesting to see people's responses. And then I sit back and I think, is this actually what this person would do? And I kind of come up with my own, okay, no, I think this person's gonna blow it at the strip club, you know what I mean? But that's not the point of today. The point of today is nothing external will change you internally. And here's the thing. People say, well, what about like really bad things happening to you? Those change you, right? Again, I think that money, extremely positive and extremely negative circumstances in life are magnifiers. So let's pull money out of the equation and go to really negative experiences. Really, now this is in your adulthood. I'm not talking about, you know, shit that happens to us when we're kids. You know what I mean? You're you're not, you haven't developed. And I think your personality is fully developed until you're like in your teens, if I'm not mistaken. I'm talking about when you have something bad happen to you. really bad happened to you. As an adult, how you respond is a very clear indication of where you're at internally and spiritually. So money isn't just a magnifying tool. Uh, Really negative experiences are magnifying tools. Positive experiences are magnifying tools. You get a big promotion at work. Does it create in you a spirit of arrogance where you look down on other people and you start to treat your people that were formerly ranked the same as you, like trash, people that were your quote-unquote friends at one point? Or does it make you more humble? Does it make you work harder? Does it make you feel like you want to earn and really work that title? It's everything, there's so... Positive, negative experiences and you could wrap getting money into a positive experience. So really that's what it is It's not so much just money. It's the it's a positive experience Positive experiences also Magnify Personality traits and I'm gonna kind of go off on a tangent here, but What you see now I shared this post the other day that says that as the population increases, this is something I've been saying forever, the quality of the average person decreases so sharply and viciously. When, So let's pin that conversation real quick, the last one. Positive experiences, negative experience, one big positive experience we used as an example, getting a lot of money, magnify your internal characteristics. It strips away the covering of your true internal character and exposes you both either in a good way or a bad way, depending on how your makeup is a person. You know, more than anything, before I move on to what I was just about to talk about, more than anything, I've, I want to be known like, if I were to die, and I which I will at some point, when I die, rather, if they were to inscribe words on my tombstone that described me as a person, and they could only put on there what was true and honest, it's a magical tombstone, and you can only write the words on it that truly describe me if you tried to write anything else it would disappear or wouldn't even make a dent into the, into the stone if I had this magical tombstone and somebody were writing words I would want them to be hard working good father good husband well good husband first good father God fearing integrity honesty I wouldn't want them... I don't... You know, like, I'm not interested in things like nice. Not a nice per. I'm not a nice person at all. I'm... I am not a nice person. I could probably be a little bit more kind. But that's the thing. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm actually very, very kind to people. My wife says sometimes, believe it or not, I'm too kind to people that do not deserve it. Um, altruistic, giving, loving... These are some of the words I would hope, and as I focus on it, I think that the you know, I was saying the other day, my friend was like, Man, you're constantly being tested. I have to believe that these tests are, I'm going through these tests, these vicissitudes in my life, to further ingrain these positive characteristics in my being and expel those which are less desirable. For example, one being my temper. Um, you know, there's many different things I could go that just things that I just want to get rid of in my character. That's going to take more and more time and more and more testing. That's what you have to look at the test of life as. It's like a furnace. And you put silver in the furnace and you melt it down and all of the impurities, the dross, so to speak, is rises to the top and you scrape it off and you get a pure vessel of silver. And then you do it again and again and again until it's completely pure. That's what what life is. That's what life is. But most people can't handle the heat because the same heat that hardens the egg softens the carrot, right? The same heat that hardens the egg softens the carrot and pressure can make diamonds and it can also burst pipes. So I want you to think about those things today. But what I what I was about to start saying is um the quality of the average person now is very, very low. And I um it's it's very hard for me to be online now. Um if I didn't have so many people that relied on my posts, that followed me very closely, I I I'd be I've got to come up with a strategy for this because I don't I don't have a particularly high opinion of most most people. And again, I'm not saying that this isn't coming from a place of superiority. But do I believe that I have? a little bit more to offer than the normal person? Yes, I do. 100% I've heard that. I've worked for it. You see leaders that are put into positions because of their gender or skin color. And um, when, when these people are put under pressure, their true colors show. So you look at the dean of students of Harvard, the dean of students of the University of Pennsylvania, two women that I'm sure where diversity and equity hires, positive, because, you know, they're, they're not, dean of students should be a male, okay? Unless it's like some all-girls school, leadership positions should be dominated by men. It's just the way that it is. I'm sorry, you don't like that, don't listen to me. Misogynist, no, you should be at home being the leader of your of your children and, and pouring into your kids and re- raising the next generation, not out there because what happens is, you look at these two, and they started getting pressure about anti-Semitic uh, comments that were made on campuses, and the, uh, the investigator, I don't know if she was a senator or a house rep or whatever, somebody in Congress was grilling these two and they said, is it hate speech to call for the genocide of Jewish people? And the University of Pennsylvania lady basically said no. Guess what? She just resigned. A Harvard lady did the same thing, and now there's a full-blown investigation into Harvard by the Department of Education. Because these, these places get government funds. For you to sit there with that smug look on your face and dance around the question, is it hate speech? to call for the genocide of the Jewish people and, and when you put pressure on these people that did not earn through character and virtue and hard work their positions the cracks begin to show and what you have now is we have a world of participation trophies we have a world of minorities that are put into positions that they did not earn, that they were not the most qualified to hold. And the saddest part of all of it is there are hordes of people out there that support these people. And you've got weak, low-T men and a horde of, hordes and hordes of women whose minds are warped by birth control, cosmetics, and chemicals that they're putting on their skin, their faces, and their hair. You, you, you Hormonally imbalanced psychos. Psychos. Most women, now, are hormonally imbalanced psychos. And they're not only hormonally imbalanced, they are operating outside of their true purpose in life, which is to be a homemaker and be a mother. It's, that's it. So when you have these women that are A, hormonally imbalanced, and B, doing things that they're not biologically wired to do, you get this insane, crazed, irrational generation. And in a democracy, uh, these people are emboldened and empowered. You know, ladies, I know know I'm hard on you a lot on this, but I, I need to make this point very clear. I firmly believe that most of the social issues that we are experiencing in this country are a direct result of... The women's vote, and if you don't believe me, you can go ahead and refer to a map of female versus male voters. The whole country would be red, with the exception of two cities. I think it's like New York City and like California, somewhere in California. The whole country would be red if it were just male voters. But when you put the women in, the, the country turns half blue. How's that pop? Well, because women are violently liberal, overly idealistic, and extremely irrational. Most, not all. Most of the women that listen to me are, are not that way. Although you can be some, Your your irrationality, ladies, comes out in other areas of your life. Every woman that's close to me in my life, I can, I can point out in the past two weeks, each woman, where she's acted in a way that was irrational, emotional. That's just how you are. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's not something wrong with you. If you're listening to me and like, wow, why is he dogging on me right now? I'm, I'm close to him. When was I irrational and emotional? There's nothing wrong with that. That's how you are as a woman, but that's dangerous in positions of power. You know, and, and you could be mad at me all you want, but I'm telling you right now, the worst enemy of women is other women. Here's a great example. My dear friend who I sponsor as a powerlifter, her name's Emily, she's a beast. She um, posted this video of this mom, and uh, it said, uh, oh, something about genetics. It's not just genetics, she says. And it shows her super-duper pregnant. And then it shows her doing squats and pull-ups and push-ups with a baby strapped to her. It was super impressive. And you go to the comments section. And, you know, it's funny. You see all this stuff about women, uplifting women, and where well, we got to blah, blah, blah. Women, Guess who was absolutely mutilating this girl in the comment section you think it was guys saying she had too many muscles she was manly nope 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 you know who it was other women oh good this one lady she said what did she say she said something along the lines of wow that's you know genetics but it is genetics because I work out too and I'm still fat and you know what what are you even doing when's the last time you wrote a poem when's the last time you did this when's the last time you wrote a book or contributed to the humanities instead of obsessing over your body and then another comment was like that's bullshit it is genetics I work out all the time and I'm still fat no you don't if you're fucking fat You're not working out and you're not dieting. You undisciplined hog. You big fat lady. There's no accountability. There's no, I'm so tired of this. And the reason why I keep talking about it and keep talking about it is men, you need to get a hold of your women. My wife would never say some shit like that to another woman on the internet. In person, on the internet, nowhere. The women that I know that are close to me in my life that I have influence over would never say some shit like that to another woman on the internet. You've got a bunch of psychos out here running them up. The men need to start getting the women back under control. So I mean, I'm not saying to control them. I'm saying, like, if I, my dog, I don't discipline my dog, he starts to turn into an absolute ass. It's the same thing. And men need to, strong men need to start to influence in a positive way the women in their life and especially the other men in their life. Because weak men are ultimately the cause of all of this. It's not the women's fault. It's the weak men. Men that are afraid because they'll be called a misogynist. Men that are afraid because they'll be called this, that, the other thing. Men that are afraid because they'll get me too'd. Men that are afraid. All these weak men. We got to flip the script. I know I kind of went off the rails today, but for real, we got to flip the script and we got to change this because the whole world's at stake. So if I'm a man, I'm going to A, control what I can control. The women in my life, I'm going to first control myself and make sure that I'm an example worth following. And that's all you need to do. Strong enough men, women naturally want to submit to. I don't have a woman in my life that doesn't in some way, at the level of appropriateness that is that, that makes sense for our relationship, uh, I wouldn't say submit, but f- trust and follow me, which is submission. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And the problem is these women don't have anybody to submit to besides the government. Because it's a bunch of weak, effeminate little dickweeds running around out here. So, two lessons today. (laughs) Fix yourself internally and don't focus on the external. And we need more strong men. That's it. That's the point. It's not to dog on the women. Ultimately, this is the fault of the men. So, that's that's the lesson. I love you guys. Let's get it. Peace.